and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. We are wrapping up our study of the life of David. Uh, I'm not quite sure if we'll get through it all this evening or not, but we're sort of on the final chapter that we are going to cover, although we have not, by a long shot, covered all the significant events in David's life. Something that we haven't covered, um, because it would involve numerous more weeks to be able to really do it justice, is the building of the um, temple. And David does not build the temple, but it's David who wants to build a house for God. It's Solomon that actually does it. But it's David that has the original desire, and God gives him the plans. And David sets everything in motion, but God does not let David build it because David was a man of war. He was a man of war. And he, because he was a man of war, um, it just wasn't appropriate for him to be the one to do this. And instead, Solomon, his son, does it when he ascends to the throne. But we're not going to be looking at that. We're not going to be looking at Solomon this evening. We're going to be looking at another one of David's sons and the events that surround his life and how that impacts David. And some of these events relate to other matters that we have covered about David and things that happened in his life, specifically the consequences for his having Uriah killed after having taken Bathsheba to be his wife. You know, I've said before that, um, boy, somebody ought to do a movie on David or a whole series on David, and they would not lack for material. Mm -hmm. And there would absolutely be no need to embellish anything to keep the viewer's interest, I'll guarantee. Um, if you haven't been convinced of that already, you'll, you'll see how any viewer um, would find these events quite captivating. And we'll pick it up in the record here now in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And this is quite some time after the last event that we looked at, the record about David and Bathsheba. So many years have passed now. Many years have passed since that event. And we're getting pretty much toward the end of David's reign. We're getting towards the end of David's life. And David's going to find himself at the end, kind of right back where he started at the beginning, sadly. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, and we'll begin in verse 1. In the three and twentieth year of Joash, the son of Ahiza, king of Judah, I'm in the wrong place. Where did I tell you? Are you in 2 Samuel? Yes, that didn't sound like 2 Samuel to you, did it? Because no. no. I was in 2 Kings. Oh. Yes. I'm sure that's an interesting record too, but that's not where we're supposed to be looking at. 
2 Samuel chapter 13. Sorry about that. And it came to pass after that, after this, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. So we're looking at right now at three of David's children. We're looking at his son Absalom. We're looking at his son Ammon. And we're looking at his daughter Tamar. And Ammon, one of these sons, was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and Ammon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Now, what that really means is that it was hard for him to do what he'd really like to do to her. And if you're reading something into that, yes, you should. Um, he, he definitely did not have look at her the way a brother should be looking at a sister. He wanted to be with her. He wanted to be with her, and he was just sick over the fact that he couldn't be. Verse 3, But Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle or crafty man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Why do you, here you are, you're the king's son. Why do, you, why do you look so miserable? You're the king's son. Why are you acting so sick? Wilt thou not tell me? Tell me what's going on. I'm your friend. And Ammon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may eat it, I may see it and eat it at her hand. So this friend cooks up this scheme for Ammon to follow through on, where he's going to pretend he's, he's just so sick. And the only thing that would make him feel better, the only thing that would comfort him, would be if his half-sister Tamar came and fed him. Verse 6. So Ammon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to him to see him, Ammon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar my sister come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Oh, that would just be so delightful if, if she would just make me these little cakes and feed them to me. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Ammon's house and dress him meat. David's just kind, and he just wants his son to feel better, and he doesn't realize that there's a whole other agenda going on here, and so he asked her to come. So Tamar, verse 8, went to her brother Amon's house. And when he was laid, and he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. She goes through this whole trouble making all these cakes, but no, this isn't quite what he had in mind. He's not going to eat yet. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. He says, Everybody else leave. Everybody else get out. And they went out, every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, 
Bring the meat into thy chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. Everybody's gone, just, you just come and just, just feed me right out of your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amon her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. He grabs her and says, Come lie with me. Come have sex with me. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Yeah, he rapes her. When she refuses, he rapes her. Verse 15. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. Boy, isn't that something? Now, after he does this, you know, I, I don't know if it's because he's feeling guilty or if he's just somehow blaming her for him having done this terrible thing when she had done nothing to, to lead him on. But now he hates her. As strongly as he wanted her and loved her, even stronger than that, now he hates her and can't stand the sight of her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. Get out of here. Get out of here. And she said unto him, There's no cause. I haven't done anything wrong. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. Now, the, the terrible way that he's treating her hurts her more than even the terrible action that he did. You know, this is to her even, even worse, the way he's treating her now. Verse 17. Then he called his servant that ministered unto her, him and said, Put now this woman out from me, and bolt the door after her. Throw her out and lock the door after her. And she had a garment of divers colors upon her, for such robes were the... For With such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servants brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. So these are all signs of despair, of anguish, of repentance, the putting ashes on the head, the ripping the clothes, this is all signs that, you know, something terrible has happened to her. Verse 20. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon, thy brother, been with thee? It doesn't take Absalom too long to put two and two together. Absalom knows the way that Amnon's been looking at her. Absalom knows what kind of guy Amnon is. And when he sees his sister so terribly upset, he figures out what's going on, and he, he 
asked her about it. Continuing verse 20. But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother, regard not this thing. So Tamar regard, remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. He says, well, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing, but he's your brother. Just put it behind you and move on. And he's telling her this, but he is not putting it behind him, and he is not moving on. He's telling her this because he's already got a plan that he's incubating in his mind to, to take revenge. And he tells her this to just put everybody off the scent of what he's conspiring in his mind to do. Verse 23. And it came to pass after two full years. Wow. Two full years. What's the old saying about revenge is a dish best served cold? You know, he lets this, he just waits. He just waits. You know, this is real premeditated what he's doing here. Two years, two years to just put people off the scent. Two years so Amnon doesn't have his guard up. Two years so he can just get everything just the way he wants to, to take his revenge. That Absalom, continuing verse 23, had sheep shears in Behazar, which is beside Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. So they're, I don't know, I guess shaving the sheep party or something. I'm not quite sure what that means. But something about sheep shears and, and him inviting all the king's sons. So he's got all kinds of brothers. He's inviting all of them to some big do when they're going to have this thing happen. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. Did I skip it? Yeah. Which is, he invited all the king's sons, and Absalom said to the king, and came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant hath sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be chargeable unto thee. Well, you know, that's an awful big crowd for you to handle. That's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a lot of people to look after. You know, I, I don't think it's a good idea for you to invite all of your son, all of your brothers and everybody, all of the entourage to come. And he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. So Absalom said, oh, no, no, I want everybody to come. I want everybody here. I want all my brothers here. But David saying, no, no, we're, I, I don't, we're not going to do that. Then said Absalom, verse 26, If not, I pray thee, if I can't have all my brothers, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, why should he go with thee? Why do you want him? Why do you want him? But Absalom pressed him that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. So he, he just keeps on pushing this matter and pushing it until David agrees. And they all come. All the king's sons end up coming. Verse 20. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, you watch, and when you see Amnon get drunk, then you hatch my plan. And when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him. Fear not. Have not I commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. It'll be okay. Yeah, you're killing one of the king's sons. But it's okay because I told you to do it. 
That's what he's telling them. And I guess at this point, it's just a matter of who they're more afraid of, Absalom or David, because they're going to go through with this. Verse 29, And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. They killed him. When he gets drunk, they take advantage of the opportunity, and they kill him. And Absalom has his revenge. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man gathered him upon his mule and fled. They don't know if they're going to be next. They're at, at Absalom's home with all of his servants, which probably could have been many, and they've just seen one of their brothers killed, and they're not going to hang around to, to find out if, if they're going to be part of a, a grand trap. So they jump on their mules and get out of there. Verse 30, and it came to pass while they were in the way, while they're hightailing it out of town, that tidings came to David, saying, Absalom hath slain all the king's sons, and there is not one of them left. Now, that's not what happened, but I guess news reporting in that day wasn't any better than it is now. The first report's usually not something you can trust, and the first report to David is that he's lost all of his sons, all but Absalom. Verse 31, then the king arose and tear his garments. He's in, in just great distress. And lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. Everybody's just feeling horrible here. This is terrible, terrible. The king thinks that all of his sons have been killed by one of them. And Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, so I guess that would make him his nephew, answered and said, let not... My Lord, suppose that they have slain all the young men, uh, all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. He's saying Absalom's been cooking this up ever since the day that she was raped. And it's just Amnon that's been killed, and Absalom did it to take revenge. Verse 33, Now therefore let not my lord the king take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon only is dead. Not that that's a good thing, but at least it's not all of them. But Absalom did what? Fled. Fled. He's not going away around to see what David thinks of this. He's, he's going to flee. And the young man that kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there came much people by the way of the hillside behind him. A lot of people follow Absalom. And Jonadab said unto the king, Behold, the king's sons come, as thy servant said, so it is. Yep, the guy that told you that they're alive, it's right, it's true, they're on their way here now. And it came to pass, verse 36, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and his servants wept very sore. But Absalom fled and went to Timai, the son of Aminhud, uh, king of Geshar. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshar and was there for three years. Three years Absalom is hiding out in Geshar. Three years he's afraid to face the king. Three years he doesn't return. 
And the soul of King David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was com comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. And not, not that he was comforted that Amnon was dead, but he was comforted about that. Time has passed. He's gotten, and David has, has put that behind him. His grieving for Amnon has stopped. And he knows there's nothing more he can do for Amnon. He's dead. And he knows what Absalom did was terrible. And in no way is he excusing it. In no way is he accepting that or condoning it. But you know what? Absalom is still his son. And no matter what, no matter what his son did, and I think just about all parents would feel that way, no matter what his son did, he still loved his son. He still loved him, and he missed him. He missed him. And he knew what Absalom did was terribly wrong, but he still loved him, and he still missed him. Let's look at chapter 14. We're going to skip down. Uh, well, we'll read verse 1, and then we'll skip down. Now, Joab, Joab, you may or may not remember, Joab was David's general. He was the guy in charge of the army, captain of the host. Joab, the son of Zariah, perceived that the king's heart was toward Absalom. Joab recognizes that David would, would like to have Absalom back, that he, he loved him and he missed him, but that he also feels like he can't do that. So Joab cooks up his own little scheme here. And we're going to skip down um, from in the verses that describe him going to this woman, and, and I'll, I'll just kind of summarize it for you here. He finds this woman. He seeks out a woman who's, who's pretty sharp, who's, who's a good actress and pretty clever, and he tells her to go tell, this king, tell the King David this story. And tell her a story about her having two sons. And the two sons, one day, they get in a heated argument, and one of them kills the other. And she's hiding that one. They killed the other. And she feels bad, but she's, she's hiding the one because all the other relatives, they want for her to deliver the murdering son to them so that they can take vengeance, so that they can kill him. And she doesn't want to do that. And so she goes to the king. This is her story that she's telling the king, that she doesn't want to deliver her son over. But they're all saying that they're, that they're going to come and take him. And she's, she's saying, why should I lose both of my sons? It's bad enough I lost one. Why should I lose both and not have any son to carry on the family name and to, to raise up a grandson and so on for me? And she gets to David's heart with this story. And David says to her, well, you know what? You're right. You, you shouldn't have to deliver him over to the people to, to take vengeance. You tell them that I said you're under my protection and nobody can come and take your other son or do anything to you. That's the story, and, and that's, that's David's reaction to it. Let's skip down to verse 21. And so then she tells, she tells the king that this is a story <laughs> and that the point of the story is that he should bring Absalom back. And that everybody misses Absalom. 
And everybody cares about Absalom, and they ought to bring him back. And David, he, he's, you know, he recognizes that this, this looks like the fine hand of Joab, and he asks her about that. You know, is Joab behind this? You know, tell me that. Just, I nothing's going to happen to you, but just tell me. Is this something Joab cooked up? And she, she says, yeah, he did, he did. So now verse 21. And the king said unto Joab, Behold now, I have done this thing. Go therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. It works. And Joab's plan works. The story works. David agrees. Okay, it's okay for me to bring him back. So he goes and tells Joab to bring Absalom to him. And Joab fell to the ground on his face, verse 22, and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knows that I have found grace in thy sight, my lord, O king, and that the king hath fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said unto him, verse 24, Let him turn to his own house and let him not see my face. He can come back. He doesn't have to be out in the wilderness, but I still don't want to see him. I still don't want to see him. You know, I'm glad to have him home, but I'm still too mad to see him. So Absalom returned to his own house and saw not the king's face. But in all Israel, there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. He was one good-looking guy. He was just one that people couldn't help but admire. They couldn't help but look at him and say, wow, you know, he's just one of those guys that no matter what he did, he was just so good-looking and so, so personable and so, you know, likable that everybody, everybody just loved Absalom. From whom the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. There wasn't one feature that wasn't just perfect. And when he pulled his hair, for it was every year that he pulled it, because the hair was heavy on him, therefore he pulled it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. And unto Absalom there were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar, named her after the, the other one, for she was a woman of a fair countenance. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. Two years he's in Jerusalem without ever getting to see the king. So it was three years in Geshur and another two years now. He's back home, but still not in the king's presence. Verse 29, Therefore Absalom sent to Joab to have sent him to the king, but he would not come to him. And he sent again the second time, but he would not. Therefore he sent unto his servants, say, he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he hath barley there. Go and set it on fire. He won't return my calls. This will get his attention. <laughs> That's what he does. He's not coming and he's not returning my calls. Okay, go burn his, his field down, and that'll get his attention. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom, that did work, unto his home, and said unto him, Wherefore has thy servant set my field on fire? Why did you do this? Why did you do this? And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king, to say, Wherefore am I come to Gisher? Why did I, why'd you bring me back? It had been good for me to be, have been there still, 
Now, therefore, let me see the king's face, and if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. He says, it would have been better for me just to have stayed in Geshur than come here and still not get to see him. And if that's the way it's going to play, then kill me. Let him bring me to him, and if he still feels like I need punishment, then let him just kill me, either kill me or let me again back into his good graces. That's what he's telling Joab to go say to the king. Verse 33. So Joab came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. He brings him back. He brings him back, and he lets him back into the, into the palace. He lets him back into the court, and he welcomes him back. He welcomes him back after all that Absalom has done. He welcomes him back, and he kisses him. You would think that Absalom would have been happy now, and that's where this should end and have a nice happy ending as far as Absalom and David go. But that's not what happens. Mm. But we'll have to look at that next time. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.